welcome to another edition of the Only Playbook. Episode 65, we have a full week of preseason games under our belt. We have preseason week two coming up here right around the corner. We're going to talk all about it. I got Sweet Car, myself, Shashot, all the way from New York, doing doctor things from the hospital. Probably bloody hands and everything. Still hasn't even gotten sterilized or anything. And then Shovit was kind enough to give me his uh, office and you're in the bathroom on the on the pooper. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm in the living room, uh, actually right below you. And so it's so awesome. You could be anywhere, but with the background filter, we have no idea where you're at. No idea. <laughs> she should. How's the hospital? Um, there's nothing sterile about any part of my body right now. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, do you go home and like wipe all your like laptop and stuff like with like? Well, I don't bring anything. I just bring my phone. I this is the only day I bring laptops is when I record here moving forward. Um, so yeah, I will be doing that. Everything's going to get wiped. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's, that's wild. Um, hopefully we can start to, as we progress the episodes, we can start to utilize some of your hospital tools. To oh yeah. I'll disposal. take you guys around, meet the cafeteria lady. Let's see what she thinks about Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes for MVP candidate. <laughs> oh man. I'm sure she's got the inside scoop. And if she does, we want to hear it. So, yeah. uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode um, let's kick things off with water cooler talk with week one of the preseason under wraps, um, time for a little bit of overreaction. I know it's been one week of games, but there are some people that have stood out and are worth mentioning. Show it. Let's kick things off with your boy, George Pickens coming onto the scene, making crazy catches in practice, made a crazy touchdown catch in the game, I believe. Right. And yep. Deontay Johnson called him a freak. So uh, you know, a lot of good things happening there. Deontay Johnson, assuming that leadership role that we talked about a couple episodes back by like propping up his young guns that have, you know, off the field issues. So a little love on his side as well, but George Pickens looks like the real deal. And I'm going to be probably the first person to eat my words. If, uh, you know, you guys remember me saying that I thought he's going to be a bust. Um, but yeah, talk, to, talk to me about George Pickens. A lot to be excited about from the Steelers standpoint. I mean, uh, you know, you already have Claypool, you've got Deontay Johnson who just got paid providing that mentorship to George Pickens and he's going out there and making money plays. So the Steelers need all the help they, they can get with the quarterback debt that they have and the wide receivers will should come out and be able to assist them. So yeah, it's exciting stuff for Steelers. Yeah. I, I was reading a little bit more up on the Steelers wide receiver core and I know Pickens is getting a lot of love, but um, flying under the radar and also doing a lot of great things. Calvin Austin, another mm-hmm. rookie that they drafted in the fourth round. Um, so this could be a, you know, the Steelers are just becoming like the wide receiver school, like the wide receiver university. Oh, where they just they, have, they've been the wide receiver school for decades. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it just never stops. Just when you think like, okay, the chapter's closed here. You know, we have Deontay as our number one receiver and everybody else is kind of whatever. All of a sudden they draft two guys who seem like they can be immediate day one starting impact players. So um, Claypool might slowly just, you know, fall off the depth chart and be, you know, making TikToks full time. So um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what his future uh but again, the receiving core has got to make things easier for the uh, quarterback room, which has a lot of uncertainty. So uh, big things for George Pickens. I know, again, it's preseason week one, but there are things that kind of just jump off the page in terms of, you know, athleticism, playmaking ability and all that. And Pickens seems to have all that. His one touchdown pass reminded me a lot of Randy Moss, like back of the end zone over the shoulder, yeah. like There's barely no tip-tapping his two twos. Nope. It's, it reminds me of Moss when he caught that touchdown yeah. against the Cowboys where he literally had no space and he had to like – yeah. So, I mean, those, that's impressive. That stuff jumps off the page. So George Pickens, I'm sure will be a name that we talk a lot more about as this season progresses, but uh, coming out with the bang, as we like to call Hold it. on. 
Hold on. There's another reason why George Pickens is the real deal. There's just this like edge some receivers have. Like, you know, DK Metcalf gets tucked shit on. He's a little sensitive, whatever, you know. That's fine. You can be as sensitive as you want, but when you're on the field, you have to be a different beast. And I see that in George Pickens, which I do not see in DK Metcalf. Yeah, he yeah, embraces he's, he's that. that X factor. Go yeah, ahead. and so, you know, a lot of people made fun of him for the fact that he looked goofy during his draft night. And he embraces that. He'll go out and he'll even make fun of him and do it again. And so, you know, he doesn't shy away from the shit talking. But, you know, on the field, he's a beast, like you said. Confidence seems sky high. And, and with any sport, confidence is something that you need to succeed. So uh, good for him. Let's see if he can keep the trend going and, and stay out of trouble. Um, another Steelers talk here. Rookie quarterbacks this week had, you know, some pretty up and down play, but a lot of encouraging things I saw. Uh, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, even Sam Howell. So um, Pickett, I think, you know, as far as what I saw from him, his numbers looked great, but his average yards per attempt was 3.3 yards. So, you know, Box score doesn't tell the whole story there, mm -hmm. but either way, it's still encouraging to see his first actual live game action. He was efficient. He completed a lot of passes. Um, and so again, th that's all you can really ask for. And then I, and then I think Tomlin came out and said he's moved up to number two on the depth chart. So um, if that's all it takes, then I know their quarterback room is not great. So it's not going to take a ton of great um, on the field stuff, but it's still encouraging with where he started with the off season when it first started. Uh, Malik Willis, I thought he looked really, really good as well. Uh, did a lot of good things with his legs, which we know he was capable of. His deep pass looked absolutely effortless, which, you know, I think the comparison to Josh Allen is what, what was warranted there with his deep ball um, power. And then on top of that, his playmaking ability, right? So obviously he had some boneheaded plays. I think he got benched because there was an RPO play that uh, he, he read the play, wide receiver was wide open, decided not to throw it, and then turned that into a 17-yard scramble. But Mike Vrabel wasn't having it. He was like, you didn't, you didn't run the play correctly, so he got benched. So um, – I think it's really exciting to see what he can do and how crazy it is that for four rounds, every single football team passed up on him. Like I get not paying him in the first round because you have the fifth year and you have to pay him and he makes a little bit more money, but second round and third down, not in the second round and third round, no team wanted him. So uh, it's really interesting to see that he's in the fourth round and the way he can make plays, I think still warrants the risk of drafting him a little bit earlier. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Titans struck gold there, but uh, a lot to be encouraged by there. Um, Sam Howell, I think was a little bit under the radar. Sam Howell is backing up, you know, Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke, but I think there's a lot to be said that he should be able to take that number two spot. Uh, he looks really, really good in terms of being aggressive. He uses legs a lot. That's one, one thing that he was known for in college. So I was impressed with that, just transitioning and translating over to the NFL right away. Um, and I think, I don't think he was scared. I mean, he, he, he threw a couple of deep balls that were pretty, uh, made a lot of inaccurate throws as well, but that's going to come as far as the growing pains go, but, uh, a little bit better than what I expected from Sam Howell. And then last but not least, Desmond Ritter, Desmond Ritter, is the one guy that I think has the opportunity to truly be a starter for an extended period of time this season. Marcus Mariota is a starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. Desmond Ritter came in, looked like he belonged. He had some inaccurate throws. He had a throw that was like an easy, almost pick six, but the guy dropped. But then again, his receivers also dropped like three or four passes that he made that were really good. So there was a lot to like. And I think the one biggest thing from Desmond Ritter that I like is something that we fault rookie quarterbacks a lot for is scrambling, right? They scramble when there's not anybody open. They immediately turn on the jets and run Desmond Ritter. Although he's athletic and quick enough, he didn't do a lot of that in college. And so for him to do that right away, his first preseason game, that's an added element that if he can add to his game and actually utilize that and pick his spots, um, he can be really dangerous. And I think if he can do that, he can basically do everything Marcus Mariota can do. 
and then some. So, I mean, he's a rookie quarterback. He's He has more promise. He has more upside. So if he can do everything that Marcus Mariota can do, and then he can be a little bit better and have some more upside, there's really no reason a Falcons team that's not, you know, looking to compete this year shouldn't just throw Ritter in there and, and let him learn, let him learn on the fly. So um, I thought it was a pretty impressive week for a rookie quarterback, especially given how weak this quarterback class was and all the crap that they talked about um, heading into preseason. But do you guys have any thoughts on any of these quarterbacks, something you like, dislike? Sounds like you covered all of it. Shove it. Excited about Kenny Pickett and his 3.3 yards per attempt. Yeah, you know, I as I was watching that, I was like, he, he's just going out there to be comfortable. He's not really outshining any of the other quarterbacks, but he got a touchdown and and on his drive. So you got to be excited that he's not making boneheaded mistakes. Uh, but there's still more games to be played to see if he's going to be really number two or not in the depth chart. Yeah, fair enough. Moving right along, another um, position battle that we talked about, the Houston Texans running back core. Marlon Mack was supposed to be the number one uh, running back. They obviously had Rex Burkhead, who was the number one running back last year, but they did draft this guy, Damian Pierce, and we talked about it. It seems like it's his job uh, to lose in the sense that he has a really good opportunity to win the starting running back position. He looked really, really impressive in his like five, six carries. Um, And so I think that with so much indecision with that offense, with that team as a whole, Davis Mills, second year quarterback. Again, when you're turning the page and trying to build towards something, there's no reason to get guys that, you know, pretty much already have showcased what they can do in Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead. Like, you know what those guys are, right? So when you have a young quarterback, you're basically young wide receivers, you have an entire young team that you're trying to build and find an identity for. There's no reason with what we've seen from Damian Pierce in practice training camp. And now the first preseason game that he should not be the starter week one. So, um, that's going to be impressive for fantasy fantasy running backs. I think I, I don't know exactly where he's going to be slated, but we know we like volume. Volume's the name of the game. So uh, if this trend continues in the next couple of preseason games, there's really no reason to believe that Damian Pierce cannot be the number one running back there. Another position battle: uncertainty in Green Bay about what receivers are going to catch passes from Aaron Rodgers. Um, is it going to be Alan Lazard? Is it his finally finally his time to shine? Is Randall Cobb? You know, his do his legs work well enough to play a full 16, 17 games. Um, Amari Rogers was drafted a couple years ago and he was kind of a no-show after being hurt. Uh, and we talked about Romeo Dubs, Romeo Dubs, Dobbs, sorry. It's not Dubs, it's not Dubs, it's actually Dobbs. It's spelled D-O-U-B-S, but it's pronounced D-O-B-B-S. So Romeo Dobbs, fourth year, uh, fourth round rookie wide receiver out of Nevada. He looks like the second coming of Devontae Adams. Keep in mind, this is overreaction, but there was a lot of things that he did really well that, you know, fourth round receivers don't typically do. And we know a lot of what Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense likes to do is timing. Back shoulder throws are all timing. It's all about where Rodgers puts the fall, puts the football and are you going to be there to catch it? So um, it seemed like a lot of that early chemistry and connection was there. We don't know what Christian Watson's going to look like. He hasn't gotten playing time yet. And he's supposed to be the more highly touted rookie, but Romeo Dobbs has an opportunity to step in in an uncertain receiving court and make an impact from day one. And Aaron Rodgers probably likes his big frame. He likes his back shoulder playmaking ability. Uh, he did drop a really nice, like 50 yard touchdown pass in practice. That was right in his hands, but again, he's a rookie. So I think at this point, Rodgers is going to get what he can take. So uh, impressive to see there. Let's see if a trend continues again. It is only one week of preseason, but uh, for a fourth round wide receiver, you have to like that. Yeah, they also have Sammy Watkins too. So this receiving core could actually end up being a little bit scarier than we thought in the beginning of the season uh, if the rookies pan out and then Sammy Watkins is out there. He's a veteran that's done it before. Sammy He'll Watkins, play for four games. That's a stretch. Sammy Watkins? He, 
if he can stay healthy, sure, right? He can he can offer some upside, but that's literally what he can't do. He plays like mm-hmm. four games a season, and he actually plays well. He puts up like one game where you're like, oh my god, Sammy Watkins. We pick him up in fantasy, and then he does nothing. Yeah. He disappears or the gets first hurt. First game of the season. Yep. So I'm expecting like 150 yards and two touchdowns from Sammy Watkins week one. Overreaction, mm-hmm. people pick him up. And then by week three, Sammy, Sammy Watkins didn't practice, hamstring, sideline, and then he doesn't play for the rest of the season. So um, the revolving door of Sammy Watkins' career, hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully because there's so many receivers now that Watkins can be used sporadically and, in, in, you know, in, in opportunistic times, I guess. But it's it's the one position in all of football for a team that, again, they're the team that, you know, it's kind of playoff Super Bowl aspirations are bust in Green Bay that somebody's going to have to step up in the receiving core in the receiving room. And I think right now it's pretty much a toss up at who that's going to be. Everybody's kind of coming from different waves, but whoever that person's going to be, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to like you. So if Aaron Rodgers likes them, then uh, Romeo Dobbs so far seems like the biggest threat there. Yeah. I mean, the, le- the most, I just want to add the most recent article I, I saw was that, you know, Aaron Rodgers was praising Sammy Watkins and like shitting on his rookie receivers. Uh, so, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's like Tom Brady, Julio Jones, Aaron Rodgers and Sammy Watkins. Like that could, I, I think that could be a thing. I don't know about fantasy wise, but as far as like a um, team and wide receiver debt, he, he brings something there. And he just, yeah. Aaron Rodgers just met with all the young players earlier today because yesterday he shat on them to all the repeat uh, reporters so I think they kind of took that the wrong way or they were upset or whatever. So he had a team meeting and he sat down all the receivers and told it to their face instead. So I, we don't know what he said, but uh, I'm sure it's Aaron Rodgers, man. I'm not worried. Like you guys are wondering who the wide receiver is going to be from a fantasy perspective. That's important. But from an Aaron Rodgers perspective, it's not. It doesn't really matter who's out there. He's going to throw the ball and they're going to catch it. I hope they don't. I hope they suck. I hope Aaron Rodgers basically broke up that wide receiver room yeah. because they're all young guys that need confidence. And Aaron Rodgers <laughs> pretty much has hope. nothing left to prove. And as Vikings fan, there's going to be a year where he's not good. So if it's if it's any year, it's the year that he thinks that talking shit to his rookie receivers as opposed to being like, you know, you're going to be fine. Like, just fucking follow my lead. If that's the, if that's the way to go, then um, hopefully there's a lot of fucking non-camaraderie, whatever the opposite of camaraderie is. Hopefully yeah, that's what happens. We can happens. only hope. Yeah. Um, Moving on, injuries, injury time. The injury bug continues to take effect in the NFL. Zach Wilson, uh, albeit better news, everybody thought it was a torn ACL. He does have a bone bruise and a torn meniscus. Two to four weeks initially was the uh, diagnosis, but that was when it was just a bone bruise. I think with the torn meniscus, he had surgery yesterday, I believe. So I don't believe he's going to be ready for week one, but it is encouraging that he's not missing the entire season. Uh, show as somebody who tore his meniscus. Yeah, mine is way different. There's a lot of different ways you can tear a meniscus. Um, I think he had a meniscus repair. If you repair a meniscus, you're out longer than if you had a meniscectomy. If you remove a part of the meniscus, it's less recovery time. Because when you repair, you need it to heal. When you just cut it off, it's already done. Like there's nothing to heal, right? So, uh, and although also news is already out, Joe Flacco is going to be starting week one. I don't know how official that is, but in my world, it's official. So just prepare for Joe Flacco being week one starter. Falcons wide receiver, Drake London, another guy who got injured after making one catch, 24 yards, looked good, but that's all he saw in terms of action. Uh, Another knee injury, but nothing specific in terms of what I read. Uh, Arthur Smith did say he's supposed to be ready for week one. In fact, he went out on a limb and said everybody that's on the injury report is going to be ready for week one. So uh, I don't know if that's just smoke and mirrors or he's just really that confident in his uh, in the doctors in the team doctors or whatever. But um, again, it was encouraging to see Drake London. He looked faster than his speed would indicate. He's a guy that didn't run the 40 and everybody was saying he's going to be like a four, six guy, but 
on the field, he looked faster. So I know it was only one play, but uh, nonetheless, maybe that's all you need in preseason. We finally got a Darren Waller diagnosis. It is a hamstring injury, although he did return to practice today. The one thing about hamstrings is they are the like the naggingest injuries in football, in my opinion, as far as kind of what we see. So uh, even though he's back at practice today, it could be something that maybe he re-aggravates. It could be something that he takes half speed. Um, I don't know if he's going to have to ease his way back in, but as somebody who you know is supposed to be top five fantasy tight ends and you know get drafted in terms of a tight in terms of the tight end position, definitely something to watch out for. Yeah. Um, another thing on that, he's been having a lot of back problems throughout his career. And now his hamstring is bothering him. Hamstring is very much connected to the back as far as um, affecting one or the other. When you have back problems, a lot of the times uh, people can develop hamstring problems. And if people have hamstring problems, uh, a lot of the time it's due to like having back problems. So it's it's all in the back of your body, right? The hamstrings are on the back of your body. The, your back is on the back of your body. So when one part is messed up, the other part of the chain tends to be hampered. So now both parts of the chain, his back has been bothering him in the past, and now his hamstring bothering him. This is a big red flag as far as uh, drafting him at his current ADP. So if there's other players available that, you know, that could change your whole team, I would lean towards that. I mean, I could eat my words. He could come back and take all of Devonta Adams touchdown, but that's an L I'm willing to take because the injury history is not looking good. Yeah. Also that just reminds me, that's why deadlifts are such a good workout, right? Cause it works out your hammies and your back. Yeah. Great, great, super power, power workout. Yeah. Or on the flip side, if you want to do glass half empty, that's a great way to just injure both things at once. So, you know, <laughs> Another player suffering from a hamstring injury, 49ers running back Elijah Mitchell. No practice for him. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said he's not going to play any preseason snaps, but again, expected to be ready for week one. And I mean, that that to me already is a red flag. I think if you look at history in the past, there are players that are too good to play in preseason, which we understand because there's nothing left to prove. But there are players that are injured, but will be ready for week one. And a lot of times they're not. And a lot of times they're not the same. So uh, I think with Elijah Mitchell, who it's not like he's a proven talent. He had a really good year and we expected him to be the running back or the starting running back there. But I still think he's a guy that would get carries in the preseason if he was healthy. So the fact that he's not is definitely a red flag. I know they have some backup running backs there that, you know, could do some damage, but uh, he's Elijah Mitchell was a guy that had a really nice fantasy season for players that picked him up off waivers last year. So um, either you're going to be drafting some of their running backs in later rounds in drafts, or you're going to end up picking up somebody because the 49ers just kind of churn and burn their running back position. Don't forget Elijah Mitchell does play for the 49ers. They don't give a who is in that spot. They'll just use running backs. Kyle Shanahan just likes to rotate running backs. That's his thing. So, you know, if you're going to draft Elijah Mitchell, understand that he's very much replaceable. Yeah, absolutely. The Cleveland Browns, things are not getting better for the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson did see the field, but unfortunately, both of Deshaun Watson's starting centers are out for season. Nick Harris injured his knee, out for season. Their rookie rookie center, Dawson Deaton, tore his ACL, and he is out for season. So they are going to be looking at possibly a third-string center or big free agent center that's still out there on the market that played for the Browns the last decade, J.C. Treader, is somebody that they could easily now pick up. So um, it's probably not a good idea or not, not a good thing that your top two centers are out for season. Center position is something that you know needs repetition. You need to build the chemistry with your quarterback in terms of hiking, where you put the football, timing, all that good stuff. And now we're, what, two weeks, three weeks away from you know week one kickoff. So uh, that doesn't bode well for Jacoby Brissett or – 
you know, whoever the quarterback's going to be there and the third string center. So um, if I had, if I wanted to bank money, my money's on, maybe they try to sign JC Treader again, as he was a Brown for the past decade. But um, there's obviously a red flag there with injury history and his knees, because he hasn't got a single offer as a free agent. And he was like the top five center by PFF over the last decade, every single year. So um, as a Viking fan who was looking for him to get signed in Minnesota, that's not happening. So that is a name that's out there. The Buccaneers also looking at him maybe with uh, Ryan Jensen going down for the season. But uh, again, really bad story that both of your starting, your starting and your backup centers are already out for season for the Cleveland Browns. Let's jump into the rundown. We have another week, uh, slate of games, week two of preseason. I don't know how to handle this because in the past, you have four four preseason games. Typically, the third preseason game is where the starters play like a half or three-quarters of the game or whatever. Um, We saw some starters play a lot last week. We saw some teams basically not play any starters last week. So uh, if I have to guess, I'm assuming it's going to be flip-flop. The teams that played their starters last week probably don't play them as much this week. And the teams that played nobody last week maybe you know, give their starters uh, uh, some time this week. So um, I think the third preseason game, ideally, most people probably want to sit out their starters so they can get ready in case it's the last preseason game to get hurt. So uh, again, week two of preseason, uh, we'll go through the games. Uh, talk to me uh, in terms of kind of what you guys are watching out for. Let's kick things off. Bears versus the Seahawks here in Seattle. Uh, the only thing I'm watching here is the Seahawks. We still don't know who the Seahawks quarterback is going to be. Both quarterbacks played well. Played decent last week, Drew Locke and Geno Smith. I think it's still going to be a tight battle, and I don't think that's going to be something that gets announced till like maybe like the Friday before the Sunday for football for the first week. I think they're going to take that as far as they can go because really there's no definitive answer. There are rumors that maybe the Seahawks trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think if that does happen, it's still so late into the training camp now that you know how quickly can he learn the playbook um, and be ready for Week One. So I'm looking out to see if Drew Locke can win that starting position because again. It's too far into Geno Smith's career that you know what you're going to get. But unfortunately, Drew Locke's career is, you know, it, it's kind of been a shit show as well, although he's a lot younger. So maybe he has something left to prove. But that's going to be what I'm watching for in the Bears-Seahawks game. Bears, I mean, God, there's really not much to watch out for there. Justin Fields' progression, like anybody giving us a glimmer of optimism for that team who looks like they're destined to be a top five draft pick. So uh, that's what I got for Bears-Seahawks to show Panthers-Patriots. One thing I want to mention is um, things you look out for in preseason are not anywhere close to what you look out for in regular season. In regular season, you look at numbers, fantasy points, things like that. Uh, What you need to look at when you watch preseason games are more like timing, uh, how many reps with what kind of plays is somebody getting and things like that. So some of these players that I'm going to mention maybe did not look like they had a good week last week. But that's again, that's not what you look for. You look for how well they're adapting into their role. So. Let's start off by talking about the Panthers and the Patriots. There was a brawl. They practiced earlier this week, and there was a brawl between the Panthers and the Patriots. And um, I think um, CMC was kind of involved in a little bit of that brawl. He wasn't the one throwing punches, but he got kind of wrapped up into it. Hopefully his knee is fine. Um, That's a joke. I don't think anything happened to his knee. But um, anyways, they got to play game now after that brawl so look for future brawls unless you're on the Patriots side then I assume uh Bill Belichick has already had a long talk with you so um over under on the brawls probably just that one that one that one is all that's gonna happen um but anyways for uh what to look out for this game uh Damian Harris and Stevenson you know everybody likes to throw out oh who's got the new James White role this whole James White role thing is gonna be I like like it's gonna be a thing for a while because he's James White, not many people do what James White did. And it looks like Stevenson is taking 
that end. So if it's a PPR situation, Stevenson's looking like he's going to be getting more carries, and uh, we're going to see how that plays out in this game, see if they run some plays that give us some hope that that is what's going to happen. Um, but until further notice, Damian Harris is going to be the bell cow for now. Um, and then look at the wide receiver situation for New England. You know, Aguilar versus Christian Wilkerson. I mean, bro, like we have two starters. If one of them goes down, Aguilar is a starting wide receiver. What the heck? You know, that doesn't sound bode very well for any type of fantasy for that uh, throwing part of that offense. So kind of look at who's uh, leading them in what and look at who they like to throw in what situations. Um, that's what I would look out for. And then one last thing is Chuba Hubbard versus Deonta Foreman. Uh, Foreman is new. He was the guy that they trusted in Tennessee to take over Derrick Henry role when Derrick Henry went down for the majority, most part. But Chuba is a different player. So if CMC were to go down, Chuba is still most likely to take that lead. So let's see what happens when uh, CMC is not playing, who they like to run, in what situations. I'm still expecting Foreman to run up the middle as much as possible and Chuba to get a little bit of screen action, some outside running. So let's see if that's, and that ends up what um, happens this game. Nice. I'm definitely going to be looking out for the brawl to see if there's another brawl <laughs> in that game. Uh, that's always fun. Um, so the Saints versus the Packers. So the two things. Uh, so what I'm looking for in, from the Packers standpoint is uh, what we talked about, Romeo Dobbs. Um, and so to see, you know, consistency is key. You can go out and get a touchdown game one. Um, can you continue that? And uh, just a package receiver as a whole. And also um, the, their quarterback, Love, I, I don't think that he is doing very well. He threw three picks last game and he doesn't seem like the successor that the Packers hoped that they would find um, after Rodgers. So maybe he has a bounce back game. He looked good last year in the regular season when Rodgers was down. Um, I forget who that was against. Um, I want to say the 49ers. I, I don't remember right now. Um, but you know, in preseason, he hasn't been looking good. Um, and then on the Saints side, uh, not much to watch for except for Chris Olave. I want to see uh, what what the rave is about this guy. They've been talking a lot of as far as training camp goes. Remember this guy? This is the guy I said was Marvin Harrison potentially. Uh, and so I want to see how my young Marvin Harrison does against the Packers defense. He's running some good routes. I saw a video today where he basically just put his cornerback in a blender. So uh, that's one thing that we talked about. Alave was the best route runner coming out of the coming out of the draft. So um, I think that's already equated to the practice field. And you know, like think about it. If you can run good routes, like there's really no reason you can't be a successful uh, receiver, right? Unless you just have stone hands, but you would never play receiver in that case. And you would never play receiver or make it this far as a receiver if you had stone hands, right? So the fact that he He's like, you don't, you don't need top end speed. You don't need to be the athletic free. Like look at DK Metcalf. He's fast as fuck. He's athletic as fuck, but Chris Olave can probably get bet wide open every single play. Whereas DK Metcalf cannot. So uh, it's one of those situations where Janice Winston is going to be throwing the ball a ton. And if he's looking at quick reads, first reads, who's the guy that's going to get open the quickest, probably Chris Olave. So um, he has a really nice opportunity to carve out a pretty important role his rookie season. Texans Rams next on the board. Make this one quick. We already talked about him. Damian Pierce. I want to see more of this guy. This guy intrigues me. This guy seems like he could be, you know, a running back, a starting running back in the league for, you know, a couple of years, multiple years. And the Texans obviously don't have a guy that's, you know, that he's really needing to compete with. I think they're going to give him every opportunity possible to win the job. Cause again, we already know what Marlon Mack is. You really already know what Rex Burkhead is. Right. So um, I think Damian Pierce is, is going to be the guy that wins the starting job. I hope that happens. I want that to happen. If that does keep trending that way, uh, expect him to kind of climb up the uh, draft boards and, and eventually 
you know, assume a starting role. Um, the hype is insanely high right now. It's like one of the highest hyped running backs I have seen in a very long time. Um, but just to kind of preface on the whole Marlon Mack thing, he's back from his injury. And before he got injured, he was looking like a really good running back. So I wonder how they're going to use the situation. The preseason talks is Pierce getting a lot of the carries, but there's a perfectly healthy Marlon Mack and he was pretty dominant when he had the ball. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they handle this. Um, so Broncos and Bills is the next game we're going to talk about. Uh, one thing I want to mention uh, that we should look out for more is the Broncos defense. The Broncos defense looked studly when they uh, had a good amount of their players playing. Um, a lot of the game was won by the defense. The offense really didn't have to do much. So I think we need to focus more on this and um, see if they are who I think they are, because if they can solidify this defense, like they have their whole, pretty much their existence, then you have a guy named Russell Wilson on the other side, and this is going to be an AFC championship team. So um, I want to see more of this defense. If they can hold teams in red zone, uh, red zone situations, get them out of field goal range, flush to the quarterback. That's what I'm watching for here. And because especially against a team like the bills. Um, number two, Dawson Knox versus OJ Howard and Jamison Crowder. This passing situation is getting very, very diluted. There's a lot of weapons here. And from a fantasy standpoint, it's getting a little confusing outside of Diggs and maybe Isaiah McKenzie. Um, it's getting pretty diluted. And now you're like, shit, you know, I'd be really happy if I'm a, a Josh Allen owner, but I don't know if I'm be as happy as I thought I would be if I was a Diggs owner, because there's just a lot of weapons now. And um, I think Dawson Knox and OJ Howard are fighting for that spot. And um, Jameson Crowder, wherever he is, he demands targets. He's a great, great, great slot receiver. Uh, he's always stood out in every shitty team he's played for. Uh, he's a very reliable target. So I can't see a world where Josh Allen just doesn't look at him. So I want to see how this plays out. Jameson Crowder is the target of this conversation right now. And I want to see how well he fits into the team. So I'm looking at Jameson Crowder heavily. Another guy, like I said, this offense just gets murkier, more diluted and more diluted. Don't forget, Duke Johnson is their fourth running back now. And Duke Johnson is a great catching running back. So now we're talking about so many weapons. They have their running backs. They don't really have a power guy, but they're using Moss as potential that person they already have singletary doing some slicing dicing now they have uh little cooks and now they have uh, duke johnson this is about as dilute of an offense in the nfl and i want to see what stands out because we only have one more week after this until fantasy decisions have to be made so this offense is on priority list of what to watch for right now yeah the bills are 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 scary and they've got a lot of debt. I think they're over and under for this season is 11 and a half, which I think they should blow out of the park. I, I like that over as well. Um, so moving on to Lions versus Colts. So last week when I was watching the Lions game, I was really impressed with uh, Jared Goff, D. Swift, and even Jamal Williams out there. The, their um, starters were playing uh, for at least a quarter. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see that offense a little bit more kind of develop. If they start, there's, I don't know if the starters are going to play, uh, but one person that should be on the field on the, for the Lions on the defensive side is Aiden Hutchinson, who did have a tackle for a loss last game. So he, he looked he looked decent, um, you know, good enough for a second round pick uh, in the draft that last year. So I'm uh, going to be watching more of that uh, from the Lions standpoint. And on the Colts, uh, there's no Jonathan Taylor. What do you watch for? Well, there's uh, another rookie um, to uh, another rookie to kind of uh, keep an eye on, which is Alec Pierce. Uh, so training camp reports have been saying that um, Pittman and Pierce have been, you know, just 
balling out, lights out. And so if Alec Pierce can be that number two guy, uh, along with, uh, you know, Michael Pittman at one, um, then, you know, that'd be something to watch for because you have uh, Matt Ryan uh, and not Carson Wentz at the quarterback position. So look out for Alec Pierce. Yeah, Alec Pierce is a guy that we talked about, played with Desmond Ritter in Cincinnati as a receiver, but he only, he had limited receiver, you know, routes and options because they were a run first team and they played defense, right? So he was always running go routes, but he's a 4-4 guy and I think he's like 6-3 or 6-4. So uh, they're going to have some pretty big receivers on the outsides with Pierce and, uh, Pierce and Pittman and, and with Jonathan Taylor and now Matt Ryan as an upgrade, obviously over Carson Wentz. Uh, it's a pretty scary offense, pretty scary offense under the radar a little bit. Um, commanders chiefs, commanders chiefs for the commanders. I think it's Sam Howell. Sam Howell intrigues me again. We know what Carson Wentz is and, and he's just an overpaid, you know, you know, at best middle of the pack quarterback in the NFL, but his range of outcomes are so wide that, you know, if he can try to, if he can win you a game here and there, he can absolutely also be the reason you lose a couple of games. And, and he was the reason they didn't beat the worst team in the NFL in the last week of the season to clinch a playoff spot. So, um, I don't know if it gets any worse than that. So I don't really honestly know how a guy like Carson Wentz comes back from that. So I think this is every opportunity in the world for Sam Howell to be the guy. We know Taylor Heineke. He's not the guy. He tried. He tries hard. He works hard, but it's just not going to happen. Sam Howell is the X factor here and has the opportunity to actually be a quarterback and, and, and be an impact quarterback in the NFL. Because again, the one thing you like when you're a rookie is uncertainty and, and optimism and, and, and kind of seeing, um, I guess what the future holds, right? When you don't know what you're going to get, it's, it already builds intrigue. But when you already know what you have, you already know what you have. So Sam Howell is going to be kind of what I'm watching for for the Chiefs. Chiefs have a really interesting situation here at running back. Um, seventh round running uh, running back Isaiah Pacheco looks like Tyreek Hill. He literally looks like Tyreek Hill. He's wearing number 10. They're using him in all the gadget plays. And he's a seventh round running back playing with the first team offense. I don't know what that means for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who was hurt. But when he was healthy, I thought he was pretty good. Um, Ronald Jones seems like he's possibly going to get cut, which I didn't think I'd be saying that when they first picked him up and they still have Jarek McKinnon. So it's, it's a pretty deep receiving, um, room and running back room. Sorry, but all of them can catch. So I I know Mahomes is going to, I think they're running with all four of them. I think I heard some news. They're going to go with all four of them into the season. Um, that's really rare. I, I haven't seen that happen very often, but that was what I heard last week because Pacheco is doing so well and they didn't expect him to do as well as um, he's doing. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think it's one of those things where like, yeah, they they're surprised by Pacheco, but they don't know if it's sustainable. Right. So they want to keep the safety blankets in the, in the Ronald Jones and the Jer- Jarek McKinnons. But if I had to guess, I honestly think Ronald Jones is going to be the odd man out. I think Ronald Jones, gives the least in that offense. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't really, I think, I don't know if I had to guess, I think Ronald Jones gets cut, but four running backs would be pretty, pretty deep. I mean, it means that out of their 53 man roster, they're going to have to like have a shortage in a different position. And and again, do you really need four running backs? I don't know, but um, he is building some intrigue, but I don't know if you've seen any highlights of Pacheco. The guy literally moves like Tyree kill. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's kind of nuts. It's kind of nuts. Um, that's, that's going to be kind of what I'm watching for from the commander's chiefs. Shoshot. Okay. Um, so Bucks Titans, um, 
you know, we, we're not going to get to see all the players on the Bucks we want to see. Uh, but some of the players that we need to keep a lookout for is the running back situation. I'm also very running back heavy in this conversation because my focus is fantasy football now. And um, last week I talked a lot about offensive linemen and defensive linemen, but things are kind of changing and we're getting a lot of updates on the running back situation. And that's the most important situation in football. So uh, that's what I'm going to focus on. Keyshawn Vaughn and Rashad White. Rashad White could if he had the number one running back job on this offense and there was no other people behind him, he could easily end up as running back one at the end of this year. That This man is good. However, Keyshawn Vaughn has been there last year. He's skilled. He's got a, the offensive playbook down. He's going to get a lot of those uh, Ronald Jones type carries um, for the um, Buccaneers. So we really got to dilute this down or, um, you know, clear this up. And I think, this game right here, we'll get to see which one kind of has a leg up at this moment because Rashad White, if given the opportunity, he's on a lot of people's dynasty radar already. And I think if given the opportunity, he can take this and this won't be a conversation. We're going to be talking in week three, like you guys heard about this Rashad White guy because he's that good. So just keep an eye out for him. And um, with, you know, with all the receivers hurt on this team, all three of their top, you know, Julio Jones is perpetually hurt. I don't know what he's doing right now. But um, with Evans and um, uh, what's his name? And Godwin both hurt. They're not going to see the field if like for a while. And Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller have the responsibility of potentially being wide receiver one, which means they need to figure this shit out now. And I think with a guy like Cyril Grayson. I don't know if you guys have seen some of his highlights. He's pretty freaking good as well. So I think this game will tell us who the number three wide receiver going into the season will be. Um, and I think it's a battle between those three. And I think Scotty Miller's not going to take that role. He's got, he's got his role solidified. So Tyler Johnson and Cyril Grayson, we're going to have to see which one of these guys takes the wide receiver three role. Cause I'm using Julio Jones as like a Swiss army guy. I'm not putting him as number two, number three. He's just going to float around and do what he has to do in certain situations. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think that's pretty good for now. Hassan Haskins was a fourth-round uh, running back drafted by the Titans, and uh, Dontrell Hilliard, who was there last year, they, they decided to keep him rather than Foreman. Um, so Hassan ha Haskins, you know, let's see what he's got. He's a fourth-round uh, running back, and um, we haven't really got to see much of him, so I want to see what he can do against this Buccaneers um, defense. Don't forget, they still do have Russell Gage, so I don't know where he fits into that equation with the receiving yeah. core. Yes, also injured. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things to go through. So, next up, we've got Raiders versus Dolphins. Fun fact, so this is the first time they're meeting in preseason since, a, since they met last time, which was in Tokyo in August 3rd of 1991. I didn't even know the NFL extended wow. as far as I never as even heard of that. Tokyo. Yeah. I wasn't even born then. <laughs> no, same. Yeah, it's three months before I was born. Um, so it's kind of cool to, to know that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Um, it's so actually exactly. No, it's August third of nineteen ninety one. So I was literally born December third of nineteen ninety one. So that's wild. It's crazy, crazy. I can't imagine what uh, what that was like watching a game in Tokyo. Probably not good because have we seen a game in Tokyo since? No. <laughs> what There's is this? Like four fans. Yeah, I did I bet nobody showed up. They're like, "What is this bullshit?" Yeah, they're like, if we want to watch offensive linemen, defensive linemen fight, we'll just watch sumo wrestling, sumo. right? Yeah. <laughs> sumo wrestlers would pancake the shit out of them, probably. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun, interesting thing I found out. Um, but 
On the Raiders' side, um, you know, I really liked how uh, Josh Jacobs was utilized last game, how the running game kind of evolved. So I just want to see more of that, see if they can kind of, if they're going to go down that direction. They do have Devontae Adams, they have Hunter Renfro, but I think that this may be a balanced team and, you know, they're uh, sort of the schematics of the preseason, what, 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 how they will, um, you know, what kind of plays they will call. That's what I'm looking at, um, specifically on the running side, running game. Uh, and also, uh, back up to Derek Carr, is up for grabs. You have uh, Jarrett Stidham or Nick Mullins for the number two job. Um, not probably any fantasy, uh, rel- you know, doesn't matter for fantasy, but, you know, just to, if you're a Raiders fan and you're curious so who's going to be number two, Garrett Stidham versus Nick Mullins, I'll be looking out for that. Um, and then on the other side, Dolphins. So there's this big running back uh, battle that's going on. You've got Miles Gaskins. You've got Sony Michelle. You've got Chase Edmonds. You have Raheem Mostert. So those are all guys that have been in the field and started games. Um, it's probably, I mean, my guess is Miles, Miles Gaston, but we've seen all that we can for Miles Gaston as well. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see who who the, the leading running back is, and we'll find out, you know, um, we'll find out at the end of the preseason who starts for this team. I I, I have a hunch. Go ahead. Raheem Mostert is probably going to take that role, and then the other ones are going to be used as, like, gadget players, which – they literally are. Um, Sony Michelle, not so much. He's more of a pound it guy, but I think he's going to take a back seat. This is all speculation, right? But, you know, having the coach who just saw Raheem Mostert play and he knows his ins and outs, mm. I assume he's going to start him. And he's also the fastest player running back in Madden, if I'm correct. 95 speed. Uh, it's probably – he is a, he was the fastest last time I checked, unless something has happened since then. Um, but that bodes well for this running offense. I like to go outside. And I think Sony Michelle is going to ground and pound. And then Edmonds and Gaskin, they're just – they're really good at what they do, which is small people stuff. What do you think? Yeah, if I, did, if I have to guess, Mostert gets first and second down and Edmonds gets a third and everybody else is just kind of there and used sporadically. Uh, I think Edmonds, Edmonds was so productive last year for fantasy and for the, uh, for the Cardinals, even though James Conner had, you know, such a great year with the rushing touchdowns. Edmonds caught a lot of pa- – Edmonds caught a lot of passes and – um, Gaskin was there last year. Gaskin was there for like a whole Just couple of not seasons used. and not used. They used Salvin Ahmed. So, I mean, if, when you, when you get out used by Salvin Ahmed, I just don't really have a lot of hope for you. And, um, Sony Michelle's the guy, right? Like Sony Michelle's the kind of guy that like, if your starting running back goes down and Michelle's coming out, you're, you're pretty happy. You're like, Oh, this is our backup. Like we're pretty good about this, but he's not flashy. He's not going to do anything to wow you. Like you said, Mozart's speed makes him a first and second down guy. And I think Edmund's catching ability makes him a third down guy. And, um, fun fact. Sony Michelle, Todd Gurley, and Nick Chubb were on the same team, same Georgia team. And Sony Michelle got a lot of those carries. So uh, maybe he still got in them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he was probably an early bloomer, whereas the other guys were late bloomers. Yeah. He's probably uh, still got some goal line just, touches. Other guys are just blooming 24 7. Yeah. Um, that takes us to the 49ers Vikings. They have a joint practice this week and they are going to play football. Um, I am looking out for one thing on the Vikings side. I think we talked a little bit about this, but it's going to be important to establish a backup quarterback and obviously not for fantasy purposes, but Kirk Cousins already got COVID like a week ago. He's back in practice, you know, COVID still COVID. So when you're, when you got COVID, you can't play. And if Kirk Cousins, you know, he's as durable as it comes from like injuries, but uh, you can't really, you can't really get get away from COVID. It seems like it's still here. And so uh, if we're a team that's looking to compete, if we think this is our year, if we think, you know, we can make a big splash, we're turning a lot of our players, new coaching, all this, 
we can't afford to have a backup quarterback that is absolutely incompetent. And right now we have two backup quarterbacks. And in my opinion, both of them are not going to be, shouldn't be in the NFL or they won't be in the NFL for, you know, longer than five years. Sean Mannion absolutely should not be. He should already have been a coach. Like he is really, really bad. Uh, Kellen Mond, you know, sorry, sorry, sorry. Anybody who loves A&M who's a four-year starter at A&M. Yeah. He looked good in college, but he looked good in college the same way that a lot of quarterbacks in college can look good. His good in college does not to me translate to good in the NFL. He's absolutely so slow with his reading progressions. Uh, his throwing motion is absolutely like wacky. Um, the only thing that I think he can do well is he's got a good enough, like strong arm and he's athletic, but I just don't think he's sustainable for a quarterback. And if Kirk cousins was hurt or gets COVID, um, I have literally zero hope that we would win a football game with Kellen Mond or Sean Mannion. So I'm looking to see if one of those guys can prove me wrong, if there's going to be a guy that proves me wrong, it's Kellen Mond. If not, are the Vikings going to have to pick up a backup quarterback before the beginning of the season? Because they really think this is the year. So you need to prepare for all outcomes. And again, with COVID, even if Kirk misses one or two games, if he misses the last game of the season, which the Vikings seem to always play the last game of the season to mean something, whether it's to make the playoffs or to not, uh, we're going to need a quarterback that's competent. I'm not going to have another Joe Webb backup quarterback season. I'm not going to have another Sean Mannion playing backup. Like I'm not going to have cannot have quarterbacks that are backups that get thrown in that literally don't deserve to be in the NFL. So uh, meanwhile, um, while Aaron Rodgers is out here talking shit about his wide receivers, our guy, Kirk Cousins, is out here getting his antibodies up right now when it doesn't matter. So when he potentially does get exposed to COVID during the season, he'll only be out for like a day or two. So I see what you're doing, bro. Playing checkers is not your thing. Big, big brain moves. Get more plexiglass, Kirk. Just get more plexiglass. Cures all. Yeah, I don't know about that part. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us, show. Okay, Steelers, Jaguars. Okay. Um, you know, I love to watch young quarterbacks that just came out of college and we have high hopes for. Pickett falls under that category. However, they played him in the second half last, last week, which doesn't really give him much to work with. You're working with backups, right? You're working with third stringers. That proves nothing. Like you could have, he could have gotten five touchdowns, would have meant nothing. He could have thrown five picks, would have been really bad. So he didn't really have much to going up going for him so i want to see him in the first half of the game i want to see more where uh, more plays when they matter and um you know take deeper shots like you said sweetheart like what 3.7 what was the average depth of target 3.3 3.3 that's insane like you have a young quarterback who you want to see what he can do you don't make him throw checkdowns unless he wanted to throw those checkdowns so two things for him we need earlier gameplay to evaluate better, and we need deeper throws to evaluate accuracy, deep accuracy. Because as a Steeler, what um, as a as a as a person who's watched a lot of Steeler uh, wide receivers develop over time, you know they're big on these deep throws. Bes- outside of this whole uh, DJ thing, um, before that there was no small ball. It was all deep bombs and big plays and. We're not going to get to see that if we see a 3.4 or 3.3 depth of target or whatever. So we need pick it early in the game and we need deep bombs early in the game. Um, O-line still struggling for the um, Steelers. We need to see that get picked up because it's, it's week two of preseason season's coming around. You got big people playing against you in the AFC. A lot, a lot of good defensive events coming your way. O-line needs to step it up. I don't know what happened over the um, off season, but that first game did not show much improvement. Um, and then on the Jaguar side, Travis Etienne has officially taken the RB1 role as far as the depth chart on ESPN goes. Um, so 
show me, show me more. What are you going to do with that um, role? You know, uh, not sure uh, when we're going to get to see much of him, but I don't want to see these useless running backs that, you know, potentially could come in if there's injuries running the special plays, like, you know, use these outside runs for people that matter. Um, so that's one thing I got out of the first round of the Jaguars games or they're, they're kind of revealing what they want what they want to do. And they're doing it with the players that aren't supposed to be running those plays. So I want to see more of players that matter play. Um, and another thing, the tight end situation, Dan Arnold did pretty freaking well uh, covering for whoever was out, you know, he was coming in and he, he was actually fantasy relevant for a couple of games last year, but he's third behind Ingram and Chris Manhurts. So, Jaguars, figure out your tight end situation. You have two games to do this. Trust me when I say this. Ingram is not going to get a resurrection. He might get you seven touchdowns, but there's going to be eight drops, and they're going to be crucial. So I'm really hoping the Jaguars focus more on these other two tight ends, and uh, we've kind of seen what Ingram has to offer. What more can you learn besides catching ability, which, Sweetcar, like you said, you kind of have to know this shit before you come into the NFL, and he hasn't proven that. So let's try to not throw touchdowns to Ingram. Let's try to throw touchdowns to other players to see what they have. You know who you know who Evan Ingram should be hanging out with? Like who not not to get him better, but somebody who's exactly like him. Evan Ingram's best friend, you know who it is? Eric Ebron. Eric oh, Ebron dude. and Evan Ingram should be best friends. Yeah, they because, should make a podcast. Yeah. yeah. They should, no, no hands. Look exactly. on no hands. <laughs> That's gonna be the intro. I'm gonna DM them and be like, hey guys, this is not a knock on you guys. This is actually a great podcast idea. You and Eric Ebron, look on no hands because you can't catch shit. So <laughs> Um, that's, that's, that, that was the first thing I was going to say. Second thing I was going to say is with these new, like random players wearing random numbers, there's sometimes where a player wears a number and they look like either a lot yeah. bigger than they are or a lot smaller <laughs> yeah. than they are. Yeah. Travis Etienne wearing the number one, he looks tiny on the field. He's five <laughs> ten, but he's 215 pounds, right? So he's supposed to be like fucking strong and stocky. He looks so small. I was every single time he got tackled, I was afraid he's going to get hurt. And that could have just been illusion because he yeah. wears the number one and it's all like slender looking, but dude, he yeah. looks small. So go back and see if you, or watch this week and see if like, I'm just crazy thinking that, or if you actually noticed that, but no, he no, looks no. small. I, I, even with like Dalvin cook wearing the 33, like I always saw Dalvin cook as an agile guy, not a power runner, but that kind of saved him a little bit. And now with the four, I'm watching practice and I'm like, Oh shit. Is this Jerick McKinnon right now? Cause he looks so small. Dude. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's illusion. That's awesome. I was already excited because, you know, the Steelers are playing the Jaguars. Now I'm even more excited because I need to see Travis Etienne and see how, <laughs> how he looks. All right. Uh, next up, we've got Cowboys versus Chargers. Uh, so the Cowboys, man, they look like a complete mess. Uh, last game, they had 17 penalties, um, you know, throughout the whole game. That's kind of that's terrible. Uh, preseason game, you know, you got to step step up. So uh, I'm looking for them to you know work on that, or else that's going to be a problem in in uh, during the regular season. And then also they have a big issue with not having depth in the wide receiver uh, position. So you you know you got CD Lamb, obviously you uh, you've got a, a tight end that's up and coming uh, right now. But uh, outside of that, you know, you you really don't. James Washington is hurt. Gallup is hurt. So which receiver is going to step up uh, in absence of those guys is what I'm looking for and see if I can find someone there um, to, to root for um, on, on the Cowboys side chargers. 
I don't even think they're playing any of their starters. I don't know what they're doing. They're just chilling until the regular season starts and they're going to just kick it off. So uh, not really much to look for on the Chargers side for me. Maybe uh, their running back, uh, Isaiah Spiller, I, I believe his name, like A&M guy. Yep. He, he had a lot of carries last game, so maybe they'll continue that. Um, so that's outside of that. Yeah, there's no really nothing to look forward to in that game. It's an, so something about, the, something about the Chargers is so weird to me, right? They have such an appeal right? Because of Justin Herbert, they have such an appeal because of Brandon Staley. Um, like Justin Herbert's like one of the top three in terms of odds to win MVP. Brandon Staley's like top three odds to win like coach of the year. Uh, PFF has Mike Williams or fantasy footballers as Mike Williams is their like top 10 receiver. So there's a lot of like optimism surrounding a team that literally didn't even make the playoffs last year. So like, I don't, it's almost like it's, you know, you talked about Damian Pierce getting so much hype. It's almost like every single part of the chargers at like they, we talk about the chargers. Like they're like, literally they've been in like the playoffs for five years in a row. Like yeah. they're, they're guaranteed to be in the playoffs, like probably going to win super bowl. And yet they have proved nothing. So it is kind of crazy. The perception of this, the LA chargers, which I'm kind of on that hype, right? Like, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wait to watch some charger games because they're just so exciting, but they've actually not really proven anything. Yeah, this is the fun part about football for me. Like, if you just, you know, listen to what the people have to say and just kind of look at what happened last year and and just go with that trend this year, it kind of takes the fun away, right? So, like, for me, I look at what changed and what the potential is for that team due to the change. So, you know, you can call me crazy, but I have the Chargers going to the AFC Championship game against the Dolphins. So, like, those two teams, you know, as bad as they were last year or the mistakes they made, I think the changes – both of those teams made were the two biggest changes any team made in the whole NFL outside of the jets, but uh, jets get a little pass for just, just being the jets. Um, So yeah, you know, that's the appeal for me. That's why I love this sport is like the potential of the shittiness to become something great. It's just like, it's so easy to latch onto that. And I think that's what happened, especially after the chargers defense uh, now has Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack and in the backfield, they have what JC Jackson and, um, uh, what's the, what's the safety's name? Um, oh my God. 33. Uh, Der- Derwin James. Derwin James. Like this is a, like, these are like 90 overall players all over the field. Um, so yeah, the appeal is definitely there. And it's like, it's the fun factor. If I were to put money on it, I probably wouldn't. If I was a betting man, I probably wouldn't put money on the chargers, but from a fan perspective, like I am just so intrigued to see what the heck this team's going to do. I think the intrigue I mean, is on like all of AFC West though, right? Like the, the Dolphins, the Raiders, sure. the Chargers, the Chiefs. I mean, all of these teams, like you could have a scenario theoretically where all teams make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it's going to, yeah, it's just interesting. If anything, put money on the Chargers because that's not far-fetched, but save your money on the Dolphins because with Tua, Tua as their quarterback, bro, they're, they're just not going to get there. They could be so fucking good, but I don't, Tua I don't, is going to be the reason. I just don't see a situation where Tua has to do too much, but you know, we'll see what the defense can do. The defense is still not as top notch to beat, but you know, I'm just a big Mike Shanahan guy. I've been telling you guys this for like years now and I see him in our new Kyle coach. Shanahan guy. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, well, same thing, I guess. Yeah. Same thing. That offense is just like the way to play football. It is the only way to play football in my mind. So it's like, Really easy to just latch onto another Kyle Shanahan. Just like this is the only way to listen to a podcast, but listen to the only <laughs> podcast. It's fucking crazy. Pun God. Um, <laughs> Eagles, Browns. Eagles playing the Browns this week. Um, 
here, here's a fantasy and interesting storyline for you guys. We talked about Kareem Hunt, you know, the contract situation, wants to be traded, whatever. If he gets traded, everybody's like, oh, my God, Dearness Johnson is going to be the guy. He's going to be that guy. Uh, but not so fast, Dearness Johnson. We have a guy by the name of Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford, this fifth-round rookie, drafted this year. This guy was amazing. First preseason game, he caught, what, five, I think he caught four passes, and he rushed for – I think he had like five carries for, let me look this up real quick. I can pull it up very quickly, but uh, Jerome Ford basically jumped onto the scene here and I am kind of sold. I, I, I know it's, I know it's super early Cincinnati. Sorry, Cincinnati. No wonder Cincinnati. So he played with Desmond Ritter. He played with Alec Pierce. I have like some weird affection to that team because <laughs> I watched him a lot to, 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 I watched him a lot in college, but dude, this guy looked good. He caught passes and that's what you're looking for, right? If they're so gung ho on Nick Chubb, not being the third down back, which Still, to me, to this day, doesn't really make a lot of sense unless he's dropping a lot of passes in practice that we don't get to see. Um, but if Dearness Johnson was supposed to just slide right in because when he got the start, when he was the backup, he looked good. Um, he didn't look that good. And Jerome Ford looked really, really good. So there is an opportunity for somebody to fill in as the Kareem Hunt guy. And um, I know everybody wants to just pencil in Dearness Johnson, but I think Jerome Ford is going to have something to say about that. Yeah, and then don't forget, this offensive line is kind of in shambles at this point. So who we think that offensive line is, not who they are currently. Yep. Okay, uh, Bengals and Giants. I talked about the Bengals last week. I talked about a guy named Jackson Carmen, who is the weakest link, but he's not getting goodbyed because he's still on that roster. Um, you know, the coach has been just hyping him up and then the fans all the Cincinnati fans ask any Cincinnati fan they hate him they hate him and he sucks and he's the reason there's a barrier this line has improved so much but he's just terrible he's a terrible left guard and a terrible o-line he was he played so bad last week after I said how bad he is and I'm like oh my god did I just curse this man but he played terrible he was getting ran over by like second strings so again watch out for this because there needs to be a change. If the Bengals want to be Super Bowl champions, they cannot have a hole in the middle of the offense, at least improve a little bit, and he is not the answer. Uh, a lot of the starters are sitting, um, uh, apparently, for this game for the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals are not going to be playing all their superstars. Uh, they've, they've already said that. So the Giants got to win. So for my this week, uh, easy dub choice, let's go with the Giants over the Bengals. I just had to throw that in there. Um, also, um, for my what to look out for this game, uh, Wondell Robinson, dude. This man is the truth. This man is the truth, and he's going to be great. I just hope the injury bug doesn't get him for the style of play he has. It's very much I can do everything kind of a player, and he's looked fantastic so far. Um, and I wouldn't even be surprised if he ends up somehow taking over the wide receiver one role by like week four. Um, I know Kadarius Tony and those other guys are still there, but there's injury history there, and Wandell is coming out fresh and he's looking really freaking good. And with Saquon's emergence, apparently getting full load starting week one. So that changes draft order. Eckler goes down uh, because of, you know, um, Spiller. And now Saquon's climbing back up to where Saquon usually has been. Um, so, you know, a lot of things are shifting around. Wandell Robinson is one of those that are jumping up really, really, really quickly on fantasy radars. Fun fact about Wandell. You know where he went to college? Tell us. Cincinnati. Nope. So he 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 initially he he uh he was raised born and raised in Kentucky. So everybody thought he was gonna go to Kentucky, right? That was the obvious choice. He decided not to go to Kentucky and he came to Nebraska. 
What happened? He came to Nebraska, was completely underutilized, entered the transfer portal, transferred back to Kentucky, and now he's basically going to be a star in the NFL. So uh, if you're going to be, if you're a receiver, or if you're any kind of skill position, maybe not named a running back, don't go to Nebraska because your career is going to die. And then the second second thing I was going to say real quickly. um, Oh yeah, so you you were saying you like the Bengal or the Giants to win this game. So I looked up the line real quick. Giants are five and a half point favorites, so money line is minus two fifty. They're pretty heavily favored. Would you take them minus five and a half? Yeah. Yeah. The Bengals, uh, the Bengals, I think I went against the Bengals last week too, uh, against, against yeah. Arizona, right? They're yep. just so bad. Like they're so bad without their starters. They're, they're not the same team and they like to run the ball a lot. They're, 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 they don't throw the ball when it's not like burrow time. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to say yes, because the, they're sitting all their starters and the giants are still trying to figure out their team. And um, I think the Giants are going to play this game to win the game. So I, 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 I'll take it. I like it. Nice. Uh, you would think that the Bengals focus more on their offensive line, given that they're in AFC North and like how the defensive line of every other team in the AFC North is they, pretty stellar. They did, though. They did. They did yeah. add some offense. They added like two new offensive or three new offensive linemen or something crazy like that. I guess you just can't yeah. fill all the holes at can't once. All the holes. Yeah. yeah. Or they're not playing. Maybe they're just playing all their backups. I don't know. True. True. Um, so uh, the last game, actually, no, not last game. Next game we have on board is the Ravens versus the Cardinals. Uh, so the Ravens are actually on a streak right now. 21 games won in the preseason, which is which is a record uh, longest in the NFL. So I wonder if the Cardinals are going to come in and be like, no, we need to work hard to uh, stop that preseason record. Um, so uh, but <laughs> on the on the Ravens side, uh, I really liked Isaiah Likely. Uh, last game. So I, I, it's probably because I was watching the Ravens broadcast and they wouldn't stop talking about this mm-hmm. guy. And I, he had four catches for 44 yards, you know, not that great, but he had stellar looking catches. So he's a tight end. If they can utilize him with Mark Andrews uh, and they like to run, you know, a lot of running plays with two tight end formation, this could be something uh, to look out for as far as the Ravens team goes. Um, so, and then the other thing that I liked from the Ravens last game was the utilization of Mike Davis. So JK Dobbins is still hurt. Um, so Mike Davis versus Gus Edwards, who's going to be that number two guy, Mike Davis looked good. Um, and it's, you know, it's about consistency. Will, will he still be able to perform well uh, next game? You know, that's what I'm going to be looking out for. And then the, on the Cardinal side of things, the number two running back there, who is it going to be? Eno Benjamin or Daryl Williams. Number one is James Conner. But if James Conner's out, Who's going to take that number two role? I'm going to be looking out for those two players. And lastly, uh, their rookie tight end that they drafted in the second round, Trey McBride, is set to start and play, not start, but at least play uh, in this game. So let's see what the hype was all about. Getting tight end in the second round is pretty bold, Cotton. So we'll see what that's all about. Second round, and I think it was their first draft pick of the of the NFL draft. I don't even think they had a first round pick because they traded him away for Hollywood Brown. So, um, yeah, it, uh, that, that, that will be interesting. I don't think it's, you know, Benjamin, you know, Benjamin's a guy that's just been there, but hasn't done anything to win anything. So, um, I think he's there. Daryl Williams. I'll always remember Daryl Williams. He'll always have a soft spot in my catch. heart. That catch that week alone, that catch and that week alone, Daryl Williams won me that week. So, uh, he was a fantasy fucking horse whenever he was playing and Clyde Edwards Hilaire was hurt. So, uh, good times, Daryl Williams. Hopefully you do well. Um, Last game on the board, Falcons, Jets, Falcons, Jets, Jets, not a lot to be excited about. Joe Flacco, 
probably doesn't need to see any preseason action as he's 50 years old. He's played a lot of games. So they're probably going to just start Mike White. Um, Zach Wilson's obviously out. So I'm looking at, again, another quarterback. Quarterbacks are what I'm watching for. So show you running backs, me quarterbacks. Desmond Ritter. I want to see more Desmond Ritter. I was very impressed with how he looked. Um, again, his box score was weird because he didn't have the greatest completion percentage. He should have had an interception, but he also should have had like five catches passes that were completed that yeah. his receivers dropped. So that could be an issue for the Falcons is that they really don't have a lot of receivers either. So, um, I'm excited to see kind of what Desmond Ritter can do. If he can continue to look comfortable in the pocket, that's hard to say, like, it, it's hard for a rookie quarterback to look comfortable. So, um, I like that he looked comfortable and I think that that kind of shows his poise and his calm demeanor, which is what I really, really appreciated about him in Cincinnati. Uh, that's what I'm going to be watching for in that Falcons Jets game. And that wraps up the rundown. Let's end things with Moneymaker. Moneymaker, Shisho, you already gave us a little bit preview with your uh, Moneymaker pick here, taking the Giants over the Bengals. You're spot on in the sense that the Bengals don't play anybody and their drop off between like Joe Burrow and gang versus like nobody in gang is seems very, very like huge. And the Giants, again, like last week, they still have all these receivers that they're trying to figure shit out with. So they're all going to play. Daniel Jones is still unproven. So I think he's going to play. And they use Saquon a lot because they need to get him back into like in-game form. So I think they have more incentive to play. So I do like that. Uh, Shisho, you picked the Cardinals money line last week and they were plus 115. So they were actually underdogs to the Bengals last week and they won 36 to 23. So absolute demolishment. Um, I took the Rams chargers over as my moneymaker last week, over 30 points. Final score was 29 to 22. So 51 points. So if you wanted sweat free winners, me and show gave you two of them last week. So, um, as funny enough, I told you guys well, the one thing I saw about betting lines was that Vegas thought the over-unders in preseason were like obnoxiously low. What happened? The over hit in 13 out of 16 games last week. So there was obviously an adjustment and a correction in Vegas. So a lot of the over-unders are hovering more towards the upper thirties and lower forties. But this week, I'm actually looking at a team here. The 49ers and Vikings are playing this week. You guys already heard about my expressed dissatisfaction in the Vikings backup quarterback situation, yet the Vikings are five and a half point favorites. And this makes absolutely no sense to me. So give me the 49ers, the points, plus five and a half here. Uh, They are on the road. But again, they have much more to play for. The Vikings literally will not play Dalvin Cook. They will not play Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins won't play. They won't play Adam Thielen. So if if I'm going to have to bet against Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion for 60, 60 minutes, sign me up. And I'm given five and a half points. Sign me up every day, all day long. Five and a half points uh, for the 49ers is my moneymaker for the week. Anything else? That's it. That's all I got. Do you guys have anything else? I'm just really sad about the Spiller situation because it really fucks up my running back rankings. But um, I guess, you know, can't can't have them all. I, I was hoping for an Eckler year, but now there's going to be a lot of spillerage. Yeah, a lot of spiller action is kind of what the rumblings are. And, and I think, like, think about it this way. Eckler's touchdowns last year, absolutely unsustainable, right? Like, what, he yeah. had 20 touchdowns last year? So, you know that's not sustainable. He's so good that they have no reason to really use him as much as, you know, as much as they did because now they have somebody who is – like the opposite of what he is kind of be that bruiser. And they were always searching for that with like Justin Jackson and uh, Joshua Kelly, but now they finally have a guy that can be that. So it's almost a win-win for the team, but it absolutely hurts fantasy value for sure. And apparently Kelly is doing really, really well in uh, training camp. Also, I wanted to mention this when you, whenever you hear, um, you know, like a third round running back running with the first team reps, 
do not take that seriously ever because that just means the first round, the, the first team guy got a break. And then they, they tend to like amplify those news. I see that happening a lot because, you know, I hear like Keen Wangu getting reps with the first team. I'm like, bruh, like, come on, come on. Also, don't forget to mention Ty Chandler. That dude was a stud last game, like an A plus rating. He, he had a yeah. kick return that went so far, broken tackles. Those jukes were insane. I'm like, bro, can we just get rid of these other running backs and just use this guy? Because that was pretty Dude, there, there's there's a pretty stacked depth with the Vikings running backs as well, right? Obviously, yeah. you got Dalvin Cook. Madison, Madison is in the last year of his contract. And, I mean, I'm not going to lie. He's probably the least sexy one out of the, out of all of them now. So, uh, Which is crazy. He, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow either he's cut and if he's not cut, maybe he gets traded. Like I, I he's expendable because Kane Wangu is like that gadget type guy, right? Because he's fast, he's he's incredibly quick. Um, but the one thing is this this regime didn't draft him. But Ty Chandler is almost Kane Wangu, but this regime drafted him. So I'd be hard pressed to think that he's gonna get cut. And I know Dalvin Cook is, you know, has what two years left on his contract, maybe one year mm-hmm. left on his contract. So they are gonna be looking at life after Dalvin because usually running backs don't get a second or third contract. So, so um I think, yeah, I know this, that, that fucking shelf life of running backs, man. It's like, he's your, you can have a running back be like your favorite player and, and pretty, pretty much in like five years, he's going to be obsolete. So, uh, that is a good point. Ty Chandler, definitely something to watch out for. He was very, very exciting. I just don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant, but I do think him and Kenny Wonga are going to push the envelope for either a surprise roster cut in Alexander Madison, or again, Alexander Madison gets traded because the Vikings desperately need a backup center. So, uh, that's something that I've read a lot about, but uh, it will be interesting to see week two of preseason is going to kick off tomorrow night on Thursday. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you're watching, you're watching on YouTube. You can listen to us on any platform that you can get your podcast at. Uh, follow us on Instagram at the only playbook, TikTok at the only playbook and Twitter at only playbook. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. <laughs>